You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 381st episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Western Massachusetts. You guys, um, I don't know where to start this week. There's there's a lot going on, but I think I think this week we're going to be having some very big discussions, some very important discussions and i just uh i don't know where to start you guys have um i don't know what what should take the lead this week i think the lead definitely has to be the limited amount of bike racing i watched and that being fully focused around strada bianchi interesting i mean what do you think it is it is the seventh monument or gravel worlds um a lot of people are saying that. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but... Um. <laughs> it is a bit annoying how much conversations on Twitter, they talk about Strada Bianchi being the sixth monument, which is total, mm-hmm. like, they're just, like, forgetting that Japan Cup even exists. Yeah. Rewriting Very history. frustrating. Yeah. 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 We need more fall classics. It's the Japan classic. It's the Japan Cup is the sixth monument. Strada Bianchi could be the seventh. I mean, That's it's fine, fine if, if, if you want to make Strada Bianchi a classic... But it's not the sixth, is, is all I'm saying. I think maybe we just cut out one of the other ones. Like one of the, you know, we all know there's one that's like not as good as the rest of them. I don't want to name names. I think we all know which one of the five original monuments is, is the weakest link. I mean, it's, it's Flanders. Um, <laughs> and if you want to swap in Strata for that, I think that's a great move. Um, yeah. Belgium's got too many uh, classics, so... It's, it's pretty good. Two is too many. Italy should have at least one, right? <laughs> I, I do like... I love the level of misunderstanding we're creating for any new listeners out there. That are like, Let me write this down. There's how many monuments? None in Italy. What? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Take notes, um, Spencer knows what he's... Try to Bianchi was this weekend yeah. let's get to it um we'll talk men's race uh first and i tuned in um and pretty much just saw one rider the entire time i watched uh and of course that was uh tajik pogacar yeah who won uh-huh. you know just destroyed everybody fantastic yeah uh i gotta say not as you know not the biggest fan that being said he definitely gained a lot of points he definitely like i was like you know what this guy's pretty pretty good he's pretty good yeah yeah um Didn't he uh he won something else uh last year that yeah I'm, it's like on the tip of my tongue yeah I can't, um, yeah. yeah i feel i feel like he's won a few things when he won the tour it was definitely ah, one of those tour. things yeah yeah that's what it is. Um, he won the tour when he won the tour i was afraid that he was going to lance armstrong the sport and just like yeah. beat it into submission where we're going to have another guy that's going to win or, you know, quote unquote win um, like seven tours, eventually lose the seven tours that he wins. Um, and uh-huh. all of the, you know, not doing other races. Pogacar has proved that he's awesome, that he will go to any race. It doesn't matter. He's got a little of that Wout Van Art, Matthew Vanderpool in him. He is the Slovenian national cyclocross champion. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive what he's doing. And you know he's what? The, I will wait, give him his due. He, he's the champ. He's the cyclocross champion. Yeah. Of Slovenia. Yeah. No wonder he did so good at this gravel race. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Incredible. What can this guy do? For a guy that can go uphill faster than anyone that he attacked on a descent mm-hmm. to make his move. Yeah. It's. Like that's that's some yeah. baller move. You're like, I'll just go downhill faster than you two. What are you gonna do? I mean, you guys you gotta chase me down, and then you we're guys, gonna hit a hill. 
I mean, I'll it's just true. come out. True. I'll just come out and say it. It was very impressive. 50K all on his own. Everyone else is probably right about it by now. Um, Wout Van Art currently has the Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt. Ooh. Um, Ooh. You're yeah. going there, huh? It was that impressive. I mean, what he did, he rode 50 kilometers solo away from everybody at the seventh most important race on the calendar. Well, 49 kilometers, but... I will... Point uh, two. I, I'm just going to nominate right now. I'm going to nominate um, Tajik Pogacar as the Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt winner here for mm-hmm. episode 381. Seven, ending a seven-episode reign for Wout Van Aert. Damn. Yeah. Well, hard to argue, man. Uh, like Spencer said, 49K solo. I guess I'll second that. Yeah, um, I was looking for a way to keep it in Wout's hands, but he wasn't even there. So I think he's he's got the fear of Pogacar in him, and uh, probably the whole Jumbo team does, really. Oh. Um, so I, I I don't think I have... I, I'd like to come with an argument to anything you bring to the championship belt trading table. Uh, but I can't, so I guess I'm going to back this up, and and it's unanimous. We will we will give it to Pokecar. Well, congratulations, Pokecar. Hope the is a long and promising reign. Yeah. Um, second place was oh Alejandro Valverde. Really? Um, oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> Estrada. Oh. Well, that Valverde got second, boys. Well, that that might change things, guys. I mean. Well, he. Wait, well, how has 40, he been doing though? I mean, he didn't win. How's I mean, he's forty-one, yes, 41. but how has he been doing this year? Uh, a quick scan here. I'm going to say thirteen starts, ten top tens. Uh, he's got that's one, incredible at forty-one two, years old. A couple Four, seconds. Hang thirds, on, little guy. Yeah, these are these are pro races, right? Not masters races. Yeah, yeah, they're not even. Uh, <laughs> as far as I can tell, they're not even fondos. They're real. They're real bike races. So Guys. he's done thirteen starts. And he's gotten ten top tens. Yeah, and he's won. Okay. That's he's, impressive. He's won a uh, a GC. He's won a one day. He's been on some podiums. That might be belt worthy. So boys. he can do it all. Yeah, he's kind of. He's kind of. Oh, like, he's kind of. Oh, you're you're nominating him for the belt. I, if, is this official? Is this an official nomination? Because I think we should. I, I think so. You guys. Forty. Oh, Forty-one. He could uh, be Pogacar's dad. He also gave came over gave gave him a dad like has anybody the race. has anybody done the research on this? Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be good. That Somebody slip in my uh, dad a twenty three um, and me uh, kit or something and just see who okay. can get the uh, DNA sample back. It's surprising. You don't want to do that. I I, I don't know. If, from, from, from <laughs> I, was say, I, I think it's gonna be. You show up yeah, at five think, in the morning and uh, act official. You might, of you might of any of the riders that may not want to give their DNA samples. Probably Valverde. There's probably some Operation Puerto. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I mean, since it's been around that long. Um, all right, we have a nomination on the table. Ending Tajik Pogacar's uh, five-minute reign of the Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt to Alejandro Valverde. Um, Spencer, do you want to second this? Man, I, I am looking at his 2022 Palmares, um, and I'm comparing it. To Pogo cars, and I'm thinking my my barometer for the belt is always like the best, not necessarily the best performance on the day, but the most unexpected, like the most impressive. And I gotta say, Valverde <laughs> in 2022 finishing second at the seventh monument. I'm gonna second this. I'm gonna second right. this. Let's and make it, um, I can't you, imagine like as big of a stand as you are. <laughs> Poga car though, right? Like you can't. It's yeah, I mean, I, I'm a long time I've loved Poga car um ever since I laid eyes <laughs> on him. But I gotta I gotta tell you, boys, Valverde's definitely getting the belt. What an amazing performance. Oh, oh so good. Um I I it made me when I saw him getting second, in all reality, I was like, Man, I am gonna miss this guy from bike racing for when he retires five years from now. Because <laughs> It's like he animates everything. Even though Pogacar was riding away and had over a minute and a half at one point, 50K out. Valverde, still slaying it out there. Um, You know, and there's all like the snide comments about him. But you know what, Valverde? 
crushed it in a solid second place over Quick Step, uh, Casper Askreen. It was wonderful to see. Um, just fantastic. Overall, though, I thought the race was um, was enjoyable. I do want to just say that that crash of Alaphilippe, who, as someone oh, said on Twitter, yeah. he's really good at flying the rainbow jersey uh, when he's flying through the air on these unfortunate crashes. Yeah. That was a even for the guy that like thinks that Valverde is the biggest villain, or sorry, that Alaphilippe is the biggest villain. Um, mm-hmm. It was horrible to see, and I was so happy to see him get back on the bike and work for the team. You know what I mean? Like that. That I I can tell. I can give a bad guy his due every now and then, and I that, I liked it. I respected crash. it. I was like, you know what? I respect. He got up, and that crash looked miserable. Any word on what the crash was or why? Well, it was wind related. It was a spectacular, full on over the handlebars. Um, for anybody that somehow didn't see it or is listening to this later and doesn't remember, mm-hmm. um, gets oh, his front wheel taken center. out. Yeah, like. but he he basically uh, head over tea kettles, right onto you know his his feet more or less, but then has the awareness to spring forward like a puma into it further into the field, like, and do a little tumble, do a little roll, uh, basically into a perfect form, uh, Olympic qualifying, uh, finish there to get himself further away from the carnage, um, which I think saved him. It was, it it was art. The carnage was horrible, but it was champion. He rolled. Yeah. 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 The importance of rolling is was there you could see it and spencer it's a it's a super solid shout and then he got on his bike and still did some work for uh teammates you know it's like mm-hmm. it was good to see it was it was a fun race i mean i loved it loved every moment of it what was your guys takeaways anything uh good on the men's side uh, i mean it was, you know after i watched the women's race i was pretty Un- uninspired by the men's race aside yeah. from that crash i gotta be honest yeah, yeah it's one of those yeah. like really you- impressive performances but not as exciting maybe as some other editions just because we did spend so much time on watching pogue by himself yeah. whoa you know but guys but, um guys, did I'm you guys not- see this uh do you guys see this uh tweet from a uh, friend of the pod tom tom skewns no oh, what's what he tweeted us Said cool. at the slow ride pod, FYI, my result today was for you guys. What do you, huh. what was his Oh, result? it looks like it's from a couple days ago. Yeah. What, what? Oh, Tom's got 16th place at Strada Bianchi oh. by two seconds over a guy from AG2R. So he's, he's actually he's in a check it. this. He he's, in a, he's in a group that <laughs> he entered the final bit with probably like 10 guys around him. Uh huh. Um, did the math. I think he did the math. He did the math and he got 16th place. Whoa, you think he got on the radio and was like, guys, how many, how many oh, finishes man. have there been? I sure hope so. I'm going to need the story. I need the story. <laughs> um, that's, that's good. That's, Tom's, that's, that's impressive. That's, that's one you put on your resume, Tom's. Uh, it's definitely yeah. one you put on your resume. Um, actually, we would put it on your resume for you, Tom's, because we're now your new agent. Um, that's <laughs> true since you tweeted us it's actually like a uh, contract um, signature so Tom's got 16th place in Strata Bianchi it's, a great result. it's pretty clear to me looking at the evidence for the amount of people that are around him but just enough gaps like he beat uh-huh. the guy in 17th place by 2 seconds but he's like 4 seconds behind 15th place yeah. that clearly clearly this was like I mean even though UCI points may have been on the line um, yeah. Even though a contract he, may have been on the line, you're thinking he he sat up to create the gap and then outsprinted the guy just next to him just to make sure. 100. percent He was on the phone, guaranteed. He did the math. He knows how many people were up on the road in front of him. He's smart. I mean, um, and that bodes well for the rest of the season. A 16th place early in the year sets yeah. you up for success for the whole year. It must be a contract year for him. I'm not sure, guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to spin us wildly out of control, but I feel like I'm about to. Okay. A friend of the podcast uh-huh. with an une- unexpected, amazing result at uh-huh. the seventh 
monument of cycling. Uh huh. I don't know if it's unexpected though. It seems to me like he tried to do it. Okay, okay. A premeditated 16th place result That's at the seventh monument yeah. in cycling. I I think that might be belt worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's a whirlwind. But um, so basically, what you're saying is, I, po- I Pokecar ends. Tom Skeuns for the championship the words have been belt. said. I mean, I would definitely second that. Um, Tom Skeuns for the yeah. belt. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd get behind. Okay, so to recap, the effort was there. Wild Van Aert had it for seven weeks. Pogacar rips it out of his hands for the 50-kilometer performance, has it for mm-hmm. five minutes before we notice that Valverde actually got second at 41 years old. And then five minutes later, Tom Skunes takes it because he dedicated his 16th place for us. Clearly, he was on the radio knowing 16th place was, was there for the taking. So yes. he sits up from 15th place, but out sprints 17th. Can you imagine being the guy in 17th place? Like, like, he's got to be a little Tom's, confused by what's happening. Like, mid-conversation. Like, why, are you, why are you out sprinting? Yeah, mid-conversation, <laughs> then all of a sudden he just dusts them, that mm-hmm. final kilometer. Um yeah, so Tom's uh, Tom's has the belt. Congratulations to Tom Skunes, your Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt holder. My uh, people's so, hero. People's yeah. hero. Um, on the women's side, uh, Lade Kopecki takes a win over Anamiek Van Vluten in a two-up drag race yeah. with Ashley Molman in third. That was yeah. a fun final. That was very, very fun final to watch. Definitely more exciting than the men's final. Very good. It was yeah. super good, and uh, I'm I'm happy that I took uh, took home a, a good haul of points uh, over on Roller Derby oh, really? uh, by not choosing Vel, uh, Van, Van Vluten to win that race like everyone yeah. else did. Um, and that's that's where you make the big bucks, my <laughs> friends. Seven to one SD works. Nice. It's the perfect the perfect ratio. What do you what do you so? So I felt like some people on uh, cycling Twitter were trying to make hay of that final corner and 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 make it sound like it wasn't uh, wasn't a cool way she impeded Van Vluten. I say it's hundred percent fair. That's that's bike racing. You get that inside line, you force you force Van Vluten oh, wide, yeah. and you win it. I I thought it was a masterclass in tactics. Like hung on when Van Vluten was putting down the power on the climb, and then just out. Just out smarter, just made the super, super pro move. It was very yeah. impressive. It was awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree. I think that's, uh, it's one of those corners um, where you know that it has to happen, but Van Vluten probably was like, there's no way that it can happen. Yeah. It's not, it's not like I have set it up in, in so, in such a way that I am, I am guaranteed to win mm. uh, as long as I go through this corner first. And then all of a sudden she didn't. And it, it she was probably stunned for a second before she could respond. And that gave uh, enough space for, uh, uh, for Kopecky to take the win. Um, it was, it, it was an incredible race and it, it was a, it was a stand up and cheer kind of finish, uh, as you're watching. And yeah, you know, um, a completely different uh, finish to the men's race, which was extremely impressive in its own way, but uh, very different. So I haven't done the research, and I know you guys haven't, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Has anyone ever... <laughs> You've come to the right place. <laughs> yeah, I love this. These these are my favorite <laughs> well, questions. Well, I was just thinking, at, uh, watching that last corner, I was thinking of the number of times men's and women's race, two... Two riders, three riders come up pretty close at the finish. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a time mm-hmm. a rider has ever come out of that last corner second and won. I feel like it's right. I, I can't think of a time it's ever happened. I've seen a lot of times where two riders try to hit that corner, and but if you get around that corner first, I feel like you win. And I've just never seen it. I've never seen someone be able to sprint out of that corner and you like it's such a little. How downhill. often have we seen? How often have we seen people coming out of the corner together, though? Like in like, rel- it's not every time, right? No, like it's, but we've sit- had a few where they've no. come similar to maybe that, half where dozen times. Van Vluten, the similar to the Van Vluten and, and, and Quebecy, like the first. Mm-hmm. It seems to be at this point, 
riders know like if you go into that corner you get that corner first you just run that thing all the way to the barriers there's nothing yes and if the second place rider was smart they would actually slow down and hit it super inside you know and like just let the first the rider who thought they were getting their first like float it out yeah yeah but i also like you know your brain bread doesn't work at that time but i don't know i just can't think of a time it's happened and I'm not going to do the research, so I hope somebody does. <laughs> Can I? I I don't know. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask another question though? I yeah, haven't done please. the research. We don't know I'm the assuming answer. you guys haven't, so I'm just going to ask for the fun of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it didn't happen in the women's race, but it did happen in the men's race where they had three finishers that received the placing of OTL outside the time limit. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the three people when they finish in the men's race, they only finish like five to 10 minutes after Mart Marin Vandenberg of EF. Like you're kind of like, does it really hurt? You have a, you have people that finish the entire course and race. Why can't you just give them the number when they came across? Yeah. Like it's not I mean, a stage they, they race. Gotta, like I understand it at some point though, just cause they got to start tearing down the course, you know? Yeah, but they have the they have the time when they cross the finish line though. That's the thing that I agree. Right? So that's true. So you have uh Team Arkea, Samzik, uh Romain Hardy of France finished twenty nine twenty nine behind Pogacar. So <laughs> you have the result. <laughs> like, I don't think he's arguing that he didn't get last place. But you should no. deserve deserve a placing. No, I agree. And especially like you're saying there's was it three riders that finished OTL? Yeah. In yeah. Ninetieth place. So ninety riders finished. Three of them got outside the time limit, which is feels you're right, kind of arbitrary. And then there's a lot of DNFs, right? Yeah. A ton of DNFs. Um, yeah, I don't. Know. Anyway, I don't know. It was just I something agree. that I noticed, and I was just curious. Um, and I appreciate you guys uh, also not knowing. Um, the. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spencer, do you have a question? Rest in peace. I, I was going to say, I, I don't yeah. have any questions, but I did definitely not do the research. Um, so okay, good. I just want to put that out so, there. So here's a thread about um, <laughs> what's happening. Um, Steephill.tv, steep RIP, no longer exists. The end really? of an era. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, on our Slack channel. Uh, Spencer brought this up because uh, we saw a Peter Flax uh, tweet. End of an era, Peter S. And it is I, I the think... steephill.tv. Uh, available for godaddy.com. Yeah, he may have he may have re-upped his, his domain uh, since then. But uh, yeah, he definitely let it expire. And uh, I think the the site itself is not, uh, not going to be making any... Not what it any... used to be any updates going forward, um, which is sad. Uh, it was, um, it was the place to find all the pirate feeds. Uh, you know, I mean, before, before we had the luxury of, of three or four different services we had to subscribe to, to watch cycling, <laughs> the luxury, uh, it yeah. was, yeah. you could just go to steepill.tv. I would say that steepill.tv, um, is also responsible for, hundreds of thousands of computers around the world getting infected with various um, viruses. Well, and, no um, fault of their own. Ma- just... Malware. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they had plausible deniability. Um, never will I forget, go to steephill.tv, thinking that the, the individual link that I actually clicked on, because it would have the three different like video feeds from the same one, and I'd be yeah. like, oh, everyone's going to be clicking number one. That's going to make it really slow. I'm going to go to number three. Mm-hmm. There'll be less people on number three, so enough bandwidth, so I can watch um, this grainy uh, footage of Torino Adriatico, um, yeah. so I can see if Nairo is going to win the uh, Trident. And you know what? I definitely spent some time there, and then I got a mortgage, and I decided when I got a mortgage that I should probably do what's right and just subscribe to the service um, so that we can keep say, the TV cameras going. Oh, I thought you were going to say do what's right and just you started using cycling fans. This is a yeah. little better than <laughs> It became the better pri- the pirate feed. It, it did. A lot of better pirate feeds over at the old uh, cycling fence. Yeah, probably. Well, anyways, 
unfortunate to see uh, that uh, go by the wayside. Um, end of an era. But, but speaking of end of an era, um, did you guys see uh, Mape going one, two, three today? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jumbo Visma going one, two, three today at the opening stage of Paris Nice with Christophe Laporte taking the win over little known riders, yeah. Primoz Roglic and Wout Van Aert. Can you guys explain to me, because I didn't watch this. I just saw the, the um, photos of the finish and everything, and it was great that they they won. Um, and I know Paranese is a stage race, but, like, why was the team time trial, like, broken up into small pieces? Like, why were there three-man teams instead of the whole team? And how are they going to score that? It seems... Yeah, it feels arbitrary. I agree. I don't understand it either. I also... I don't understand this new format. Yeah. And also because they finished with all three riders, but right after that, all the teams were finishing with just one rider. And like, how are they going to score that? Usually, you know, in a TT, you got to have yeah. five riders at least finish. So like, I don't understand either. Um, Lotto obviously read the rule book better than everybody else, I guess. Maybe I'm actually reading the rule book right now. I, this was a regular stage. This actually was not, <laughs> A time trial at all. It wasn't a what? team time trial or a regular time trial. Yeah. It was just uh, a complete uh, destroying of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, one, two, three. Uh, does does it play in Peoria is going to be the question that many people are asking because is it going to matter years from now that they went one, two, three in such dominating fashion at stage one of Paris-Nice in 2022? Yeah, because this is people are going to look back at this and uh, Kern Brussels Kern last week and, and realize this is when the, the coming of Christophe Laporte as a classic star, as a, as a force you to have be been reckoned on with. Christophe Laporte. <laughs> You've been on Christophe One thing is, little guy, you're, you're good. You're, you're good at this. And I'll give you some props. Um, uh, for this, that uh, you've always been on the Christophe Laporte bandwagon. Um, you uh-huh. always tend to, you know how to pick them. It's kind of like you're like the advanced scout for minor league baseball. Kind of, you can tell when the kid's in seventh grade, he needs to be drafted. <laughs> yeah, and, it's because uh, he's always he's always shopping that Cofidis uh, merch on their over on their website, so he knows what's going on. It's because he watches all those races in Italy when the guys that aren't like doing the races that matter can actually get yeah. a start. Um, <laughs> But let's hey, play uh, this Laporte's game a little bit more. Grown into it, yeah. The Paris, uh, for Paris Nice, um, shout out to Binyam uh, Gourmet, who of Intermarche Wanti, uh, with a solid mm-hmm. sixth place finish. Of course, he got second at the U23 uh, World Championships this past year with that sprint out of, um, I mean, when he dusted everybody in the sprint. Yeah, uh, from and, like 15th place. Yeah, yeah 15th place, he got the second. Um, and then little known... Uh, UK for our UK corner uh, friends in eighth place, Fred Wright um, of Bahrain uh, victorious, which I had to look him up because I was like a f- English guy that isn't on Ineos Grenadiers. Um, uh, yeah. Solid rider. I didn't, a little guy, tell me about him. I don't know anything about him. I also had to look exactly. him up when I summoned the results. So I think like, that he's been pro for a while. I don't know anything about him, but yeah. Nice result. So we need some uh, solid UK intel on a, uh, this gentleman, Fred Wright, because he's not Tom Pidcock. He's kind of getting lost in the shuffle, and he's not old Swifty, mm-hmm. Ben Swift, or Chris Froome, or Garrett Thomas. Uh, so big shoes to fill for an Englishman this, that's not on Ineos. This whole first stage of Perry Nice is actually incredible. If you start breaking it down, and you're like, okay, Christophe Laporte winning the stage, little guy stoked you know, f- French everything, but the Jumbo Visma taking one, two, three, you've got little known world champion, Mads Peterson in fifth place. Uh, you've got uh Gourmet in sixth, Like you mentioned, you've got Fred, Wright, The unknown. And then you've got the most cliche name ever to grace the Peloton, Pierre Latour in fourth place. It's just, <laughs> it's beautiful. This whole top 10 is just, it's perfect. Um, you know, book bookended by French riders there in first and tenth. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a weird, like a it's, a, it's, it's a really, really weird, weird top ten because you've got sprinters in that group that finished mm-hmm. after our, our first two jumbo riders, and you've got GC guys, and it's just kind of a little all over the place. It it does feel like jumbo really uh, 
surprised everybody <laughs> and really foiled every team's plans. I feel like when you look at that top 10, it's like a whole bunch of people just coming in going, what just happened? We're all just desperately trying to make it to the finish there. Yeah. Be a hard Today was supposed to be chill. That aren't, yeah. that aren't uh, in yellow jerseys already. So It's true. It's going to be a, a fun race to watch. Look, I, I know we ask every year, the Torino Adriatico starts, I believe, on Tuesday, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then we have, um, obviously, today uh, we, we have the big uh, um, Paris-Nice uh, start with the one, two, three. Which one do you like better again? Oh, I always like Paris-Nice <laughs> more, man. I say this every year. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, Paris-Nice is the best because uh, it's wacky like this. It'll have a couple terrible looking stages that are cold and completely miserable then we'll have a pretty mm-hmm. fun mountain stage and then on the last day everything you learned in the f- few previous days will be completely thrown out as they bomb into nice at a million miles an hour somebody attacks from 50k out and everything gets completely ripped up and flipped i mean was it was uh-huh. it last year where roglic was in complete command and then he crashed i think yeah yeah he pulled a it's, snowman that's right it's 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 one of my favorite races of the year because it that those last two stages are always super hard for stage races. I, you guys are making funny faces. I just got to say, yeah, I just, <laughs> whenever I hear you say like one of my favorite races, I'm going to start keeping track of all of your races that are your favorite because I'm pretty sure uh-huh. it's the entire calendar at uh-huh. this point. I mean, uh-huh. you got me. I'm a cycling fan. <laughs> <laughs> That See, makes one I of us. think I think that this is born out of little guys um, preconceived notions of what Torino Adriatico is, because it it historically and I'm talking 20 years ago, yeah. um, Perinice was the climbers preseason kind of stage race and Torino was the sprinters preseason stage race. And now they're both basically the same stage race. It's true. Uh, in in different you know, locales and, uh, Torino just has better weather. So I don't know why that would be not be a better race. Well, yeah, you say that, but remember that, that, (laughs) that stage of Torino last year where, where Vanderpool went solo forever and like pouring rain and it was freezing. And then he said his like form dropped after that because he went too deep and it was too miserable and cold. So that must be what it was. Yeah. I think people believe, I think riders even are like, I want to go Torino because it's going to be nicer out. And then it's like 40 and raining the whole time so i don't know yeah. do you guys you win a cool trophy we have we always go through that torino it you is win, you win the best trophy one of the best trophies in cycling that had it san sebastian i don't know when you guys were watching uh paris nice today was there a lot of cameras around maybe from netflix following around who was out there as the rumors are that aso and netflix are going to partner for a drive to survive style documentary to follow riders at the Tour de France, um, which they kind of already had with the Movistar, but, you know, like all things that is Movistar, it wasn't in English, so therefore it wasn't good enough for the general public. Um, when in reality, it was the best television that we've ever had about cycling teams <laughs> and drama. Yeah. Uh, not as good as that Lance Road to the Tour stuff on Discovery back in the day, man. That was <laughs> really behind-the-scenes hard-hitting no, no, his no physiology lie. is just amazing. Um, I'm sorry. Anyways, so Netflix is going to be doing a series. Right now, they're also doing one on the PGA Tour. They're doing one on um, uh, tennis. <laughs> and then obviously the most popular one is on Formula One, which has basically rebirthed the sport here in the U.S. Um, for the Johnny-come-latelys that have come on board, which is fantastic because it's made the sport that much more popular on TV. So, Spencer, what are your initial thoughts on the new Netflix series to follow riders at the Tour de France? I have been watching cycling for a long time. Um, I have seen a lot of post-race interviews, and I cannot imagine sitting down willfully to turn on a show on a Friday night and watch essentially 45 minutes worth of pace post-race interviews um, <laughs> with radio cut uh, PR statement like, oh, yeah, the sensations were good. Oh, yeah, a little bit of a stomach bug today. Like, it's just going to be 
bland. And I don't know. I, I believe that Netflix will try to ratchet up the drama, but I don't know as a so, as a longtime cycling fan if it will resonate. So would you say, so I understand, so the, what makes Drive to Survive so good is that you really get to learn about the 16 drivers that have the most valuable seat in motorsports, right? Like, and the, the competition that there is constantly, not just between you and other drivers, but you between you and your teammate and mm-hmm. all of the drama that, that encompasses that. I'm hearing you say that, like, I don't know if Netflix can be able to do that because it's so just manicured. I would argue that, the movie star experience proves that there's some pretty good drama if you can get it out of them. The challenge is, can they get it out of them? So I would now posit the question, what wow. teams would you follow? Like, what would be the, like, if you wanted to make this thing spicy to follow the tour, like, uh-huh. I'm assuming you got to follow the crappy team, the Haas Motorsports of, uh, of professional racing. So what's that? Go for this. Dimension Data? They don't exist anymore. So. Well, yeah, but that would have been a Quebec, great, but that didn't work. But that would have been a great team to follow. Like, ooh, let's go to the next hash so, uh, sponsorship. Well, here, here's kind of the problem, right? Like, the the most, uh, I guess, underfunded kind of budget broke F1 team Haas, uh, with their kind of clown show of drivers that they've got going on, is is great fun uh, because it's two yeah. guys and you can see like they're driving the exact same car. So you're like, who's go- who's going to be worse? Who's actually better? Like how, what kind of tension does this create? Um, and that's out of the, the 20 drivers on the grid, right? If, if Netflix is going in to pick eight teams to follow in the tour de France and each team has nine guys on it, that's 72 riders, man. Like I can't even keep track of that many riders. Uh, I don't know how they're going to. Um, I just. But who's? I mean, Vodders has to be licking his lips on this, right? Vodders is oh, going to be like, "Oh, I'm going to be the star. <laughs> this is my moment in the sun once again." Um, Lafave will probably be on this thing, like, right? He's going to like they're just going to go to the old curmudgeon guy, and then he's going to have Alaphilippe. I don't know. He's probably some. He can probably find eight or nine good riders to follow. I mean, it's gonna be really follow... boring if it's Pogacar and Roglic. No, that's they're the gonna best, follow though. Ineos. They're gonna follow uh, uh, Bike Exchange. They're gonna follow EF. Uh, they're gonna follow. Uh, I think that's all the English-speaking teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know who they need to follow? our friend and longtime podcast contributor, Michael Matthews. And he's going to tell us all about what he's got up his sleeves for next season's Netflix special in this week's Primlap. What up? This is Tom Skoyinch. And you're listening to this low ride. All right, guys, here we are once again in the pre lap. We're going to make this one sweet, smooth, and quick because if you head over to WideAnglePodium.com and you take a look around and see all the wonderful shows and independent cycling media that we have on offer and you like what you see, you can become a supporting member by clicking the donate button and we'll get you set up with everything mm-hmm. you want and it allows us to continue to have top-notch independent cycling media. And if you want to become a member and a supporter of the wide angle podium network, click on donate. And we also appreciate and thank everyone that also goes a one-time donation. Um, and so many thanks to everyone, including Devin's Hamlin for jumping out and supporting the podcast. Yeah. Very much appreciated. Uh, anything anybody can contribute. Um, it, it's hard to, overstate how uh how motivating that is you know to to get that that little bit of feedback that we're doing doing things right and that you want us to continue trying to uh make this show as good as we can so uh thanks a lot i really appreciate it thank you indeed and with that let's get back to the show Hi everyone, I'm Jens Folk and I do not listen to the Slow Ride Podcast.
All right, guys, here we are. We got a rock-solid mailbag, so let's get right to it. Let's jump right in. The first email comes to us from Davis Yarbrough. You guys remember Davis. We've uh, seen him around at many races mm-hmm. with a yeah. uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Sweet Vanagon. Um, went up to Love the FA. Waterloo yeah. World Cup when I was at um, last year. He, he actually was there when we presented the 16th place slow ride um, jersey to witness the awkwardness <laughs> when I handed true. that jersey out. <laughs> Dearest slow ride podcast hosts, I know it's road season and you're rife with road season kickoff content, but my mind keeps gravitating towards the Lifetime Grand Prix and your insistence that Schwamigan, by the way, he spells Schwamigan in this email at least six different ways. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> and you're insistent yeah, I mean, that really Schwamigan is yeah. going to be a major factor of the series overall. I admittedly heavily biased towards East Coast mountain biking, particularly the Southeast, not Florida. And I can't quite <laughs> wrap my head around the event being nearly as hard as y'all claim it is. Something about it being around since 1983 when mountain bikes were not much different in capability than today's gravel bikes. For the sake of context for everyone in the Southeast, I need y'all to find someone who has raced both Schwamigan and the 50 mile option of the Snake Creek Gap time trial series in Georgia and get a comparison documented on an episode of the podcast. The Snake has been a staple of endurance mountain bike events for a while. And while participation rates aren't what they were 10 years ago, its reputation for being a tough race is as about as prolific in the Southeast as you make Shawamalakan sound in the Midwest. <laughs> Do you accept this challenge? Sincerely, Davis. P.S. I have a suspicion that Jeremiah Bishop might be your guy, but I'm unable to confirm Schwalmagain. <laughs> uh yeah um i don't know if uh, greg lamond has ever won this race in georgia that you're talking about um but, uh, i feel like he is a pretty good bike racer uh who could have a good opinion on it as well maybe we'll get in touch with with greg can i can i also just say that the it is a hard race the reason i would say shawamigan is going to be the hardest race is because it's two hours and 15 minutes for these winners like it's going to be an all-out sprint there's a lot of hills at the back end, like yeah. It but it is not technical. Let's it's not let's technical. Get that yeah, there's there. it's not a technical and it's not race. at elevation. It is just a hall. There's a lot of grass fields that you're riding your bike across. It it, it um, is cross country ski trails. It yeah. continues to punch you in the face the entire way and only get harder as you go. Um, I am gonna be yeah. I I think I'm bringing my single speed rigid. For when we go up there it. in September of this year. You said that last time, though. I so, did, and then I did. got hyper competitive, and I a, a, fr- a friend of the pod um, hit me up and was like, "You're not riding that. Like, if you're gonna beat these guys, you gotta you gotta get on the full squish." So, yeah, yeah, I'll still, well, I'll still be fine. I gotta even the playing field after the dominating performance I put on last time. So I think a single speed is gonna be able to disqualify. Performance. You uh, you misspoke there. I know you had a stroke. So oh, sorry. We got another email here. Uh, the Point Chasers from David Blom. Good day from Melbourne, Australia. Good day. Yeah, I'm not going to continue with the accent, but there we go. In episode 280 of your podcast. Wow, he's only a hundred behind. I think you, I think he meant 380. I think that's a typo. okay. 380. <laughs> you made references to riders from Arkea messing up their sprint train. In my opinion, they were perfect in a way they executed their rides for the team. See, Hugo Hofstetler and Daniel McClay finished in third and fourth positions rather than have one of them going for the win. Between the two of them, they gained 225 UCI points. More than 200 points for winner Fabio Jakobsen and the rest of his team, Mm -hmm. who scored zero. Caleb Ewan scored 150. Rest of his team, zero. Israel Premier Tech scored 91 points, 85 of them for Nizzolo. I'm willing to bet that there will be a fair amount of this points accumulation as teams like Arkea are fighting for a World Tour license. In lesser races, as a team director, I would be encouraging my riders to draft the big-name sprinters and rack up these points like this, (laughs) rather than risking going for the win and coming up empty-handed. 
For the bigger races, I would still be trying for the win, but this UCI point tactic is something that I would be trying for if I wanted to keep qualifying for the World Tour. Keep an eye out for it on races like E3, Harry Biker, and Dwarf's Door. Okay. I got opinions on this. Now, send us this email. I think we got a couple other people hitting us up with similar arguments. There's been a lot made about the fact... We're finally going to have relegations happening, and only so many teams will get in. But Arkea, I don't think they want to be in the World Tour. They turned down a Giro invite this year. I don't understand why they would at one point be turning down Giro invites this year and also trying to make it into the World Tour so they have to do the Giro next year. It doesn't make any sense. They don't have enough GC guys. They can't send Nairo to the Giro. Like, what? They have nothing to gain from world tour hmm. they and have I nothing see, to gain from the world tour other than no. guaranteed entry to the tour de france they already have guaranteed entry to the tour de france it's called being french and having nairo quintana <laughs> that's guaranteed entry to the tour de france and otherwise they're fine i just i guess i don't i don't see it and i i see what he's saying and and, and other people too but like they're also turning down races currently it's I it's think, head-scratchingly I think, weird, and maybe they're just confused, <laughs> and they can't remember. Like, half their riders are like, I want to be in the World Tour so we can get these guaranteed races, and the other half are, like, very French, and they're like, no, we just want to do little French races. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I got to think uh, there's some team uh, points versus individual points kind of thing going on there as well because, yeah, when you have some some UCI points that you can bring with you, uh, you know, if you happen to be on a contract year, for instance... Um, those points yeah. are very valuable uh, well, to the individual riders. So, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe they're working together, doing a little two-man team time trial there in the middle of the sprint train, uh, trying to maximize each other's gains. I mean, that's, because, isn't that why, you know, like, the minute, teams would always hire, like, like some oh, guys yeah. that are crushing the Africa world? Like, oh, some Moroccan riders that are never going to make the their top team, but they're crushing the, the continental points. tour because yeah, yeah, they yeah. brought the points with them. Yeah, um, yeah, and we're back to that now, which it, I think it's going to play in in other teams. I just don't understand Arkea's. I don't understand what the Arkea is doing. Well, thanks for raining on the parade. <laughs> thanks for uh, raining on Aussie Corner here. Um, but we got another email. This one comes to us from Yarme Turjan. I know I nailed the last name Turjan because I'm a hockey fan, and I love Pierre Turjan. Hi, while scrolling on Twitter, I saw this tweet by Ellen Van Dyke. And of course, this is the tweet. Prizes in women's cycling are improving. You can leave tips on how to use it in the comments. And of course, it was her prize pack for winning um, the... I'm, uh, waiting. Uh, I'm waiting for you to pronounce this name. I have, I have been waiting all week uh, to, to see you take, it, take a stab at this one. Of course... I'm talking about the Bluzon Frizlan Tour, a.k.a. the Easy Toys Tour, the race mm-hmm. in which Van Dyke won the first stage. In cu- curling, Easy Toys was the sponsor of the Olympic qualifying event that was held in Leeuwarden, Netherlands. Their pink logo was on the scoreboard and on the ice everywhere. The event was broadcast by NBC in the U.S. and NHK in Japan. But after one game of the mixed double event, NBC and NHK announced they were removing it because of an unforeseen sponsorship conflict with the local organizing committee. <laughs> it made a little scandal in curling. Because you see, Easy Toys is an adult toys company. They sponsor sports. They get curling broadcasts canceled in the U.S., and they give Ellen Van Dyke the PMV20 vibrator when she wins a race. Yeah. Yeah. So there I you mean- go. Um it, I don't I, see him sponsoring men's races. I'm kind of like that's the first thing I want to say here. It's not, you know, but are they are they curling teams, uh, women's teams? They were mixed curling, mixed curling. championships okay. on TV. Right. Yep. Okay. Cool. I mean, Fair I'm. We need non-endemic brands to support cycling. Hundred percent agree. We need as many eyes on the sport as possible. And this, this tweet of Ellen's made it around. Um, Definitely made it around. <laughs> and then, 
probably the most popular tweet in some time. I mean, I'm happy to see some racing going on, but let's also be honest that the, the race doesn't seem to have been the most uh, um, safe for the riders. Uh, no, uh, the race itself seemed like kind of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, prize, prize pack aside. Um, but I mean, you guys, we have raced at the amateur level a lot of races and yeah, I feel like we've won some prizes here and there. I've never gotten a prize pack that good. I'll, I'll just put that right out. Like never gotten a prize pack, uh, uh, so good for winning anything. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't necessarily look a gift horse in the mouth. I do hope that her win came with a nice check as well. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That'd be more important than I, I understand yeah, that, yeah. um, uh, easy, uh, easy toys wants their product, uh, highlighted. Um, mm. but you know, I, I feel like this, maybe, maybe this could have been a gift card or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. A gift card or a big check. <laughs> big check. <laughs> yeah. Big I just, I, you know, that seems a little personal, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, well, you know, like you said, it's know. important well, to have non-endemic. Uh, nothing more awkward than the three of us talking about this. So let's move on to the, uh, <laughs> the next uh, email. It's a solid one. This one comes to us um, from friend of the pod, uh, Brian. So this LeMond 8 bike, how's it no. going? What have you been Love up to it. since my last email? I heard one of you attempted to escape Florida recently, but mistakenly rode west to east instead of south to north. <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I finally signed up for Strava and now am horribly addicted to segment PRs and hate everyone faster than me. So I've got that going for me, which is terrible, but thanks for asking. But that's not why I'm reaching out. Lamond just dropped the link to the Lamond 8 bike today. The Prologue mm-hmm. and Dutch were pretty interesting for e-bikes. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I think that the Prologue e-bike is the best looking e-bike I've seen. Um, yes. With the integrated fenders for everyone and the logo is, and they had like a pink version, but it was very, very, um, kind of expensive. But anyways, uh, Brian (laughs) continues, but his teasing of a revolutionary road bike had me somewhere between, huh? And hmm. Well, the wait is over. The site is up and now you can reserve your very own Le Mans eight for, oh my God, we're at used car pricing levels. So yeah. maybe I'm not the target consumer for this. All my bikes and frames of various metals from small manufacturers assembled with varying degrees of Franken build components. I'm not dropping five figures on a bike, even with all the tech and advancements that have gone into it. It's like seeing a Lamborghini or a Holland ExoGrid frame out for a weekend ride. Something I'd own myself, but I can appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate what LeMond has done and would hope that Slow Ride listeners purchase these frames in mass. If only so, I can buy one used 10 years from now to tinker on as a bike project. Anyway, given the proclivities of you three gentlemen of bikes of atypical nature, I'm wondering what y'all think about it. Does it get the Slow Ride podcast seal of approval? Is it too much? Cost styling, LeMond branding, etc.? Can it be converted into a rail bike? Will it be a fixie? Will Lance threaten legal action against the blue frame or the black frame first? Brian in location removed to preserve Strava KOM placements. <laughs> oh, very good. First off, fantastic, fantastic email. Let's get that one right out of the gate. Second, Lamont date. Absolutely love the name. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Eight seconds. If you don't know about it, ask little guy. <laughs> he was the only one watching bikes uh, back in the 80s only one I think yep. this bite is absolutely beautiful I love the branding I love everything about it except one massive massive part which Brian also went to we're talking close to $15,000 I understand it's made in the US mm-hmm. um, it is Priced, I guess, fairly competitive against. Um, really? I mean, some of the bikes the that you see cost? from Swarks and some of the yeah. top end bikes, Pinarellas, I mean, they're up there. So, like, I, yeah, I yeah. get it. That's nuts. I don't know what bikes cost, turns out. I am hoping, I'm hoping that this bike comes out and that then they have, like, the, the next bike underneath, if that makes sense. Because 
15 grand is pretty darn expensive. Full it's, a lot, uh, it's um, a lot of money. This bike is incredible, though. Like, everything about this bike is amazing. It looks fantastic. It's 12500 uh, by the way. Sorry. For, uh, yeah, the technology um, behind it, like, I think Le Mans Composites or whatever the company is, is has been working on this for a long time. And um, I, uh, I kind of think they may have hit on something here. Um, I was a big, big fan of um, uh, when he was partnered with Time Bicycles, they released the three very limited edition time frames that uh, celebrated each one of his tours. And they were so good. And I wanted one of those extremely badly. And they were all $10,000 as well. Um, and that was a while back. So uh, with the inflation, um, the price doesn't seem wild to me. Um, Thanks, but Biden. what I <laughs> what I was just uh, looking up here quickly while you were talking, Tim, was um, we've had this discussion, a similar discussion before about the Peter Sagan limited edition specialized that came mm -hmm. out that was like 10 K or however much it was. Um, yeah, yeah. and we had a, we had an email about that, whether it was a good investment to buy it. And, um, I believe we said it was, uh, because it would hold value, uh, or yeah. perhaps even gain value. Okay. Um, boys, I've yeah. looked it up. I've looked it up. Uh, there is a used Peter Sagan edition specialized, uh, tarmac on eBay right now. What was now, the opening cost? Do we remember? I honestly, I don't remember. It was definitely yeah. five figures. I'm assuming it was right around 10. Uh, it could have been a little more. If you had invested $10,000 in a Peter, Peter Sagan limited edition uh, a couple years back, what would you be expecting to get for it on this uh, market now? Um, has his stock risen? No. Held value? Oh, I bet you get seven. Seven, five. I'd say yeah. probably seven or eight. It's definitely lost value. 100% it's lost yeah. value. You got to lose value Cur for a little bit. Currently, this one is on offer for $74.50. You guys are both Ooh. in the ballpark. Dang, man, uh, that's me. I think Peter Sagan's stock has definitely dropped since losing mm. the stripes. Uh, as much as his jerseys try to replicate the stripes, they are not uh, doing a good enough job uh, here with the general public. So, um, But that's the beauty of Le Monde. He already won all these races, and he ain't racing anymore. So he's not gonna fade into obscurity. He would have done it by now. <laughs> the this bike will the hold. Website, this will hold value. The website does a really good job of uh, talking about the the carbon construction. Unlike the e bikes that he brought to market, these are actually made in the U.S., where the other ones were not. I think it's a good looking bike. I think the aesthetics are good. I don't know what the wheel set is. I definitely like the black and the yellow over the blue and the white. Um, that being said, check out the, the site itself. I think it looks good. 12,500 uh, full Durace build, which I guess puts it in a ballpark of those elite level bikes that you're seeing from Scott and some of these other ones that, you know, there are a lot of bikes that are over 10, 11 grand out there right now. Yeah. And it makes you, makes you uh, we, say, Hey, we, if Lamont can we, do it, how come you guys aren't manufacturing here? What's going on? That's the bigger question, right? Like that's definitely the, it is nice to see American manufacturing, especially what we see um, going on in uh, the world and um, workers and everything. So it is uh, good to see and best of luck uh, to Greg. And we'd like to uh, thank the email. Thanks email. Thank you, um, email. I, 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 I really don't know what bikes cost you guys. Um, I am no, yeah. Shocked. I think we should make this a into a bike, game, little guy. We should no. We should make I this a game show. A new, I've never yeah, bought I didn't a new think so. bike. I, did, I bought a new I think, group set, but I bought it at cost a closeout from Hoshner or whatever yeah. Oshner, So it was, it was like ten percent. I remember applying. <laughs> I, I applied for a job at Auctioner all those years ago, and they um, said I didn't have enough experience. Um, it it really hurt me because I really just wanted the Camp Ignolo, uh, um wide wine corkscrew as the, the yeah. holiday bonus. Um, uh, I did too, yeah. All right, guys. I think we have time for one more email. This one comes to us from longtime listener, multi-time emailer, and I'm sure I'm going to absolutely crush his name. 
Life, Maitland. Dear Slow Ride Pod, me again, I write to you today from the most boring location in space and time. 45 minutes into a March steady state ride on a stationary trainer (laughs) in suburban Canada. Oh, that's even worse. That's even worse. Suburban Canada. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking like Kitchener or something in the MTA. Um, We're definitely, I mean, I don't think Winnipeg has uh, suburbs, but um, (laughs) your quick discussion on cycling insults on this week's pod reminded me of a group ride conversation from a few years back. And in it, we came up with a system of backhanded descriptions based on people's group ride misbehaviors. As an example, uh, someone this. who struggled on the bigger hills would be called a sprinter. Obviously, Some, yeah. Someone who got dropped on a 4% incline could be described as a true sprinter. <laughs> Have a rider in the group who talked for four hours? Eh, road captain. Doesn't see the, fr- <laughs> front, of, doesn't see the front after we get out of town? A prologue specialist. Gutters the group for no apparent reason? Echelon enthusiast. Come to think of it, you three may be the best ones to complete this lexicon. Happy riding life. Oh, man. I I love that for many reasons, not only because Tim's the road captain of, of this podcast, um, but just because it's not... Um, it's disparaging, but not disparaging. You know, it's not like, oh, mm-hmm. you suck, you're a bad rider. It's like, hey, you're a true sprinter. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's encouraging. And I, yeah. I, I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. When you're a true sprinter and then, uh, you know, team director, the, the person that always shows up, uh, with these things, I'm just trying to think of like any other type of backhanded compliments. I mean, my favorite is just like, oh, so I can tell you haven't been riding. Um, to the person that shows up after, you know, when you're all having coffee afterwards, the guy that's been like absolutely crushing it at the front or the lady that's been crushing at the front, there's nothing better than the nice insult of, uh, Oh, so you haven't been getting out to ride much lately, huh? You gotta get that just out that, before like, they, they say it themselves. That's yeah, standard. exactly. Like you, it's like, oh, I yeah. haven't been riding much. Just haven't you know, been doing uh, much. Yeah. The truth teller. <laughs> oh yeah. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> the sandbag. Um, yeah, it's a it's a classic uh, it's a classic thing. That's a uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, jokes and insults to make. But anyway, mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, yeah, no, I think those are great. I think we should work them into the group rides from now on. Although I would uh, maybe suggest renaming the road captain um, to the super rookie. Ah, uh, okay, that's a that's interesting. Good. Yeah, um, uh, don't know if that in, one's gonna in, stick. In honor, in honor. <laughs> Do you, uh, um, you guys have anything else uh, going on in the uh, the old podcast world? Are you guys ready to wrap up the show? Uh, I think we should be remiss if we didn't mention how much of a downer it is. I think that uh, Janice or whatever from Total Energy got convicted of domestic assault, and that team has been very, very much seems to be avoiding talking about it. Sagan at least addressed it or got yeah. to address it, but it felt like in the few days after he was convicted of domestic assault and got a, just a slap on the wrist. They were like pumping out Instagram stories about other things. And it was like, yeah, you guys might want to just uh, address the elephant in the room. Um, and they, yeah, yeah gotta, it took him about two days to put out a very mild yeah. <laughs> statement about it. So that was a, that was a bummer, but, uh, that was a bummer. I, was I surprised? Not really. And yeah, he got a four month suspended sentence for domestic abuse, which is a slap on the wrist, yeah. which is well, I think no it's place, uh, no place for that. No, I appreciate coming up and uh, you know bringing it up and, and talking about it because we don't want to ever hide from uh, things that make us uncomfortable because you do need to um, acknowledge what's happening out there um, for everyone. Can't can't hide behind the old Instagram excitement. Yeah. So with that. On that uh, real positive note, um, I'd like yeah, to remind everybody that I will be winning the Shawamigan, um 2022 showdown this huh. September in Hayward, Wisconsin. Hope everyone's able to come up there and uh, hang out and see the see it happen in person. 
And I would like to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for the intro and outro music. And all of the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network, head over to wideanglepodium.com to find out more and to learn also about the bevy of shows that we have. And we'd also like to say email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com where all of your emails are gratefully received and find us on Twitter and Instagram at the slow ride pod with that. This is Tim in Orlando, Matt in Minneapolis, who also thought he was going to be the winner of the 2022 Schwamigan showdown. So, uh, anyway, I'll be there. Yeah. Flat tire. And uh, this is Spencer uh, in Holyoke, Massachusetts, hometown of the winner of the 2022 Slow Ride Showdown at Schwamigan, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.